A note to listeners, this episode contains adult content and language. November 2013. Snapchat headquarters, a block from the beach in Venice, California. From the outside, it looks like an empty storefront with gray cement walls and big glass windows. A small ghost logo offers the only hint of what's inside this former art studio. They moved here nine months ago and now have 35 employees, two of whom are sitting in a conference room across from Snapchat's chief rival. On one side of the table, Evan Spiegel and Bobby Murphy sit calmly, confident in their home court advantage and their new digs. On the other side of the table, Mark Zuckerberg. He's quiet, awkward, dressed in his usual hoodie and t-shirt. After some pleasantries, Zuckerberg gets right to it. Listen, guys, I've been really impressed with Snapchat's growth. Thank you, we're proud of what we built. Spiegel and Murphy are sitting on the hottest app in the world. Snapchat's users are sending 350 million images a day. They just launched Snapchat Stories, which can stitch together snaps into a chronological narrative. Users love it. I think what I'm going to say next will come as no surprise to both of you. I want to buy Snapchat for $3 billion. Murphy's jaw practically hits the table. Spiegel's eyes widen. The Snapchat executives exchange a look. But Spiegel recovers quickly. In cash? In cash. Snapchat has no revenue and no plans to monetize. It's only two years old. $3 billion is an insane price tag. Three times more than the company's current valuation. Spiegel quickly does the math. He and Murphy each own roughly 25%. This would land them with $750 million each. Bobby and I need to discuss it. Would you mind giving us a second? Sure, I'll wait outside. Spiegel is just 23 and still living in his dad's house. The offer is, well, it's beyond thrilling. It would set him up for life, many lives. But once the impulse to grab passes, Spiegel thinks more strategically. Spiegel sees Snapchat and Facebook as philosophically opposed to each other. Facebook is all about broadcasting your status to a wide network. Spiegel thinks of Snapchat as a way to communicate with close friends, not brag to everyone you've ever met. Plus, he thinks Snapchat can get bigger, way bigger. So big that by the time he's ready to sell, Zuckerberg's $3 billion offer will look like chump change. As soon as the door closes, Spiegel takes a deep breath and turns to Murphy, desperately hoping he'll come up with the same answer and they won't have to battle it out. Bobby, what do you think? I don't know, man. It's a good price, but I don't want to be like Instagram and sell too soon. They went to Facebook for a billion, but now they're worth ten. Same, man. I think we can do better. And I don't want to be bought by Facebook. I want to be bigger than Facebook. So we're saying no? We're saying no. It's a decision that kicks the rivalry into high gear. Snapchat won't be easily vanquished. Mark, you can come back in. So, what do you think? We we really appreciate the offer, but it's a no from us. Zuckerberg pauses. He can't believe it. 
who do these kids think they are? Turning down three billion dollars? Stunned, he stands up. Uh, well, thanks for your time. They shake hands. Zuckerberg barely makes eye contact. Thank you. Bye, Mark. Bye, Mark. The tense encounter was an attempt by Zuckerberg to reach a truce before the war. But after the snub from Spiegel and Murphy, it won't be long before Facebook launches its tech attack on Snapchat. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In our last episode, Snapchat founders Evan Spiegel and Bobby Murphy got a cash infusion from a Series A round led by venture firm Benchmark Capital. Now, Snapchat's riding high on a valuation of $60 million. So high that when Mark Zuckerberg comes calling with a $3 billion offer he thinks they can't refuse, they do. Zuckerberg is taken aback. He flies home to Menlo Park, stunned that he got turned down. He knows that if word gets out, it would be very embarrassing for him. And then, it does. The Wall Street Journal breaks the story with a headline, Snapchat spurned $3 billion acquisition from Facebook. Zuckerberg is mortified. But spectators are divided. Are Spiegel and Murphy the idiots who turned down $3 billion for an app that isn't making any money? Or are they the geniuses holding on to a golden ticket? They don't have to wonder long. New Year's Day, 2014. Spiegel's dad's mansion in Pacific Palisades. Spiegel wakes up with a blinding headache. He partied all night with Taylor Swift and other celebrities, and now he's seriously hungover. Blurry-eyed, he leans over and picks up his phone. Two missed calls from Bobby and one frantic text. Dude, have you seen this f***ing leak? Before he can wrap his head around what Bobby is texting about, he calls. Dude, we're f***ed. 
Spiegel pushes himself onto his elbows. Yo, Bobby, slow down. What happened? Some hacker matched the usernames of 4.6 million Snapchat users with their phone numbers and dumped the info online. All of it. Spiegel's breath catches in his throat. Shit. The hacker blacked out their numbers, but man, this is bad, really bad. Spiegel leans forward and puts his head in his hand. How did they get in? They used Find Friends. Find Friends is a Snapchat feature that helps users find people on Snapchat that you already have in your phone contacts. For months, an Australian cybersecurity firm called Gibson Security has been researching gaps in Snapchat's app code and telling tech press about it. But Snapchat ignored it and kept their heads down. On Christmas Day, Gibson posted a report detailing how it would be possible to hack user information. Now, their prediction has come to life. Spiegel rubs his face. But they didn't release the whole numbers? No, they censored the last two digits. They just did it as a warning. Damn it. I guess we should have listened to that security firm. Yeah, we're going to have to beef up the code. I'm, I'm looking into it right now. Okay. We're going to get a lot of blowback for this. Let me handle the press. users... Spiegel goes on the offensive, appearing on the Today Show to do damage control. Technology businesses in general um, are susceptible to hacking, and that's why you have to work really, really, really hard um, you know, with law enforcement, with security experts, you know, internal and external uh, groups to, to make sure you're paying attention and you know, addressing security concerns. But he still comes off sounding arrogant and immature. You know, I believe, you know, at the time we thought we had done enough. Um, but I think in a, in a business like this, in a business that's moving so uh, quickly, if you spend your time looking backwards, you're just going to kill yourself. Snapchat rushes out an update that it says closes the security gap. A few days later, they make it possible to leave yourself out of the Find Friends feature. But it won't be their only brush with data breaches. May 2014, Spiegel is sitting in his Venice office answering emails. It's Murphy, messaging from a nearby conference room. Go to Valleywag right now. He includes a link. Spiegel navigates to Gawker's tech blog, Valleywag. He opens up the page to find his worst nightmare. On the screen in front of him are screenshots of emails from his college days, emails from him to his fraternity listserv. Spiegel's profile is rising. First, a flashy Forbes cover for its 30 Under 30 issue that declares him a billionaire. Then, he and Murphy land on Time's 100 Most Influential People list. But these emails are about to do more than destroy his public reputation. They'll turn him into the perfect bro villain, the guy you love to hate. Spiegel starts reading one of the email screenshots. Sigma Nu decided to stop being gay, so they passed the torch to Theta Delt. I'm going to have some pledges make jello shots. I'll roll a blunt for whoever sees the most tits tonight. Spiegel scans the messages frantically. There are jokes about peeing on women, doing cocaine, drinking underage. He refers to women in sororities as sorora sluts. He starts to feel sick. This looks bad. This is bad. Really bad. Silicon Valley is already under fire for a pervasive bro mentality that marginalizes women in tech. Spiegel calls Murphy. Bobby, what do I do? 
For the first time, the confidence has been knocked out of him. That catches Murphy off guard. Spiegel's the real mouthpiece and face of the company. Murphy remains in the background, the quiet co-founder. But seeing Spiegel in crisis lights a fire in Murphy. He takes a beat and then jumps into planning mode. You apologize and make it really clear you've changed, okay? We can't let this screw up the company, Evan. So, once again, Spiegel goes on damage control. He issues a statement to the press. I'm obviously mortified and embarrassed that my idiotic emails during my fraternity days were made public. I have no excuse. I'm sorry I wrote them at the time, and I was a jerk to have written them. They in no way reflect who I am today or my views towards women. The press wag their finger at Spiegel and warn against the hubris of high-tech boy kings. But luckily for Spiegel, his teen audience isn't paying attention. They're too busy Snapchatting. Up the coast, Mark Zuckerberg is about to experience his own embarrassment. It's June 9th. 2014. He's sitting in a meeting when he gets a message. It's from the head of Creative Labs, a startup incubator Zuckerberg set up within Facebook to work on new products. There's been a mistake. Someone just released Slingshot into the App Store. I have to go. He speedwalks over to Creative Labs. For months, Facebook developers have been working full tilt on a competitor to Snapchat, an app called Slingshot. It's their most recent attempt to win back teenage users. And now, someone has messed up the launch. Zuckerberg storms into the Creative Labs conference room, boiling. What the hell happened? It's not supposed to be out for eight more days. Slingshot went live in the App Store in a few countries. Well, is it still there? No, we've already taken it down. Did many people see it? We can't tell. We're still waiting on the numbers from Apple. Just then... Zuckerberg gets a call from his PR office. Mark, the tech news site The Verge just called us about Slingshot. We're going to put out a statement saying the partial launch was a mistake. Okay, thank you. Zuckerberg exhales. Facebook is usually a very tight ship. Heads are going to roll for this one. June 17th, 2014. Zuckerberg is waiting patiently, refreshing the App Store. Today, finally, is the official launch of Slingshot. In Slingshot, users send photos and videos that disappear after a single view. But Facebook's tweak is that you have to send a message back before you can view a message. This is different from Snapchat, where you can view the message and then decide whether to reply or not. Zuckerberg thinks this feature, having to reply before you see the photo, will reel in young users. He's worried about teenagers. They've been leaving Facebook in droves, opting to use the cooler and newer Snapchat. Right now, Snapchat's median age is 18. Facebook's is 40. Facebook's app, Poke, was supposed to steal back young users. It lets you set a time for how long a picture is available. But it was a colossal flop and Zuckerberg fears he can't afford a poke repeat. He takes a deep breath. It's his second attempt at taking on Snapchat. His second attempt at copying the company that turned him down for $3 billion. Zuckerberg steals himself for bad news and refreshes his browser. There it is. Number one 
in the App Store. He breathes a sigh of relief. His investors will be happy. The next day, Zuckerberg is in his morning stand-up with his top execs. And Slingshot, how's that going today? COO Sheryl Sandberg replies, It's doing well, but Mark, we're noticing something strange. What? There's another messaging app that's beginning to climb up the charts per our latest reports. What kind of app? Uh, well, it's called Yo. Yo? What, what do you mean, Yo? Well, um... Uh, Sandberg looks down at her notes. I'm told it lets users send the word Yo or Yo-Yo to their contacts. The word Yo? That's it? That's it. Zuckerberg is dumbfounded. The future of technology is mobile messaging. He's sure of it. But a messaging app where all you can do is send the word yo? That sounds like a bad joke. And Zuckerberg's not laughing. By the end of the day, yo edges out slingshot in the app store rankings. Facebook, the biggest social networking company in the world, has just been beaten by an app that can only send the message yo. Its sheer pointlessness boosts its popularity. The app becomes a punchline in the Colbert Report, and more people want in on the joke. Zuckerberg leans back in his desk chair. This is a massive embarrassment. It may have only been beaten by Yo for a day, but that's long enough. This counts as a failure. But he is not ready to give up. Zuckerberg starts to think. With both Poke and Slingshot... He's tried to replicate Snapchat's features in new apps. What about rolling them into the existing Facebook app? The next day, he marches into the morning meeting. Moving forward, we need to work on integrating time-based messaging into Facebook. Sandberg looks intrigued. Okay, like what? How about a profile picture that disappears after a few days or hours? Okay, we'll get a team on it. Facebook developers quickly begin to test setting expiration dates on posts, so they disappear after hours or days. They select certain users as guinea pigs, but ultimately, not enough people like the feature. They never roll it out. But this plants a seed. Rather than getting users to download new apps, Zuckerberg can build things into Facebook's app and push them out to their millions of existing users. And he doesn't just have Facebook, he has Instagram. By leveraging Instagram and Facebook's huge combined usership, he'll beat Snapchat by copying their best features. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's Business Messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's Business Messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, 
or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. July 2014, Venice, California. A beautiful woman in a red dress holds up her coffee cup and snaps a selfie on Snapchat. She's standing in front of Los Angeles staple Groundwork Coffee. She swipes left on the screen and the words Groundwork Coffee appear over her picture. A few blocks away, two models bound out of a Soul Cycle workout. They grin at the Snapchat camera, holding up their spin shoes. Again, they swipe to the left. Soul Cycle's logo appears above their sweaty faces. A young couple are at Disneyland. They're wearing Mickey Mouse ears and watching the fireworks. As a particularly impressive pinwheel explodes in the sky, the woman opens Snapchat and records. She swipes left, and the word Disneyland appears on top of the video. This is GeoFilters, a new Snapchat feature. It's a series of photo filters that only unlock when you're in a specific location or city. To access the Disneyland filter, you have to be at Disneyland. To access the New York City filter, you need to be in New York City. People love them. Suddenly, you can pose for selfies with a graphic overlay of where you are and show it off to your friends. It spurs even more people to use Snapchat. Brazil. The World Cup is underway. A forlorn soccer fan records a Snapchat of the semifinal. He swipes to the right to access the page where he can choose who to send the video to. He clicks on a few friends and then adds the snap to a new option called Our World Cup Story. Across the stadium, an ecstatic German is witnessing his team thrash Brazil 7-0. He takes a Snapchat of the scoreboard and adds the snap to Our World Cup Story. The recipient isn't a friend. It's a feed curated by Snapchat of what's happening at an event. This is Snapchat's solution to FOMO, fear of missing out. People who aren't at the event can tune in to get a first-hand glimpse from the comfort of their couch. Whether it's a World Cup or a music festival, it's perfect for young people who live their lives vicariously through their phones. These rollouts boost Snapchat's numbers big time. By the end of August 2014, a whopping 40% of adults in the U.S. are using Snapchat on a daily basis. Instead of just posting to Facebook or Instagram, more and more people are choosing Snapchat, thanks in large part to its Stories feature. There are now 65 million people using Snapchat every day. Despite all the buzz and the growing numbers, Snapchat still isn't making any money. But Spiegel is beginning to think of how he's going to do that. Geofilters are one way. Right now, none of the locations are paying to have their filter included in the app. But soon, he thinks, he'll ask brands and places to pay to be a geofilter. At home, 
a teenager, is on Snapchat. She's watching stories from her friends. The next one, though, isn't from anyone she knows. It's for something called Ouija. It has a note below it that says, Sponsored. She clicks on it. A teenager picks up a photograph of her friend. The friend has recently died, and she wants to talk to her. She uncovers a Ouija board. With her high school friends, they decide to communicate via the board. The teenager on Snapchat drops her phone on her bed. She picks it back up and opens Twitter. Holy freaking OMG, Ouija board has a Snapchat-sponsored thing. Ah, it's scary. She hits send on the tweet. She just watched the 20-second movie trailer for the forthcoming horror film, Ouija. But it's not airing in theaters. This is Snapchat's very first advertisement. And it's for a creepy movie. Some Snapchat users freak out. Others respond they want to see the movie. It works. Spiegel is ecstatic. Finally, Snapchat is becoming a real business. Companies will pay to put commercials on Snapchat. It's high time for Spiegel and Murphy to tie up loose ends. Most pressing is their ongoing lawsuit with Reggie Brown, their Stanford classmate who sued them for 30% of Snapchat after they kicked him out of the company. They reach a settlement out of court for an undisclosed sum. They're expanding rapidly. In November, they announce Snapcash, a tool to allow people to send each other money through Snapchat. Now the company is exploding. Investors want in. In December 2014, Snapchat raises a $485 million funding round. The investment puts Snapchat's valuation at $10 billion, making Mark's $3 billion offer look paltry. This large valuation is thanks to the fact that Snapchat finally has a plan for monetizing. It's adding advertisers, but it's also partnering with publishers. In January 2015, it launches Discover. It's a news feed with videos and stories from news outlets like ESPN, CNN, and Vice. Spiegel wants to make Snapchat a destination for news and entertainment. People can follow Vice or Cosmopolitan, for example, and get cool videos and informative pictures from the brands. By the end of January 2015, Snapchat has 75 million users. It's still far smaller than Instagram, which has some 400 million daily users. But it's catching up. Quickly. By May 2015, it's up to 2 billion daily video views. In November, that soars to 6 billion. This is smaller than the 8 billion daily video views Facebook reports at the time. But Snapchat is gaining ground. It's time for Zuckerberg to change tack. He shuts down Creative Labs, which were making the standalone apps like Slingshot and Poke that competed with Snapchat. Spiegel is now every inch the tech billionaire. He hobnobs with fellow moguls attending events with the likes of Rupert Murdoch. He joins the conference circuit, sitting on panels with people like New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. He starts dating former model Miranda Kerr, But little does he know, the fight with Facebook is not over. Facebook is about to copy Snapchat's best feature and leave Snapchat struggling to survive. In the next episode, Zuckerberg goes all out in his efforts to copy Snapchat. 
and he finally hits on competition with the potential to blow Snapchat out of the water. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes, and if you tap or swipe over the cover art, you'll see some offers from our sponsors. We hope you'll support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've heard, it would be terrific if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Another way to support us is to answer a short survey at Wondery.com survey. And by the way, we would love for you to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Natalie Robomet wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Emily Frost edited this story. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer-Beckman. Sound designed by Kyle Randall for Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. We're wondering. Looking for the hottest takes and the spiciest celebrity gossip? Look no further. Welcome to Rich and Daily, the all-new podcast from Wondery that's going to bring you up to speed on all of Hollywood's most current secrets and scandals. Need to know what Harry and Meghan are up to? What's the latest in Britney's conservatorship hearing? We've got you covered. I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams, and along with my bestie and fellow celeb news fanatic, Brooke Sifrin, we're bringing you the latest entertainment gossip every Monday through Friday. Is that rumor you heard about Rihanna true? If it is, you better believe we'll have something to say about it. So if you want to be in the know about who's been seen with whom and who's in and who's out, join us on Rich and Daily, because we don't just listen to the rumor mill. We give you the celebrity facts as they happen. Listen to Rich and Daily on Amazon Music, or you can listen to episodes ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. With Rich and Daily, feel the gossip. Wondery, feel the story.